0: Football fans, we are finally here. We are less than two hours away from the 2023 NFL kickoff. It will not feature our New York Jets. We have to wait four more days for that, but it's right around the corner. How are we doing tonight, Jets fans? Welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, the three of us, Dylan Terman, Chris Schubert. The summer of Schubert continues. We roll into the fall and the return no longer stuck in the south of france glenn naughton chris how we doing well, glenn not glenn,
1: glenn's a real person i haven't talked to glenn in like weeks i i don't i didn't know if he was still doing stuff good to see you gone
2: yeah fantastic to be back fellas i uh, was hoping to get back a little sooner but uh got hung up had some car issues and got stranded you push your car while, all the way back from france <laughs> yeah yeah got it back and uh now today i started the process of trying to trade it in and get a new car
0: well that's how it goes right i uh I was going down the mountain and we went up Mount Washington with my car and it said, use low gear, give your, you know, brakes a cool down every yep. like mile to stop. And I'm like, nah, no, 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 I don't, I don't trust that. And then I smell people going past me that aren't stopping. And I'm like, eh, yeah, I'm glad I used low gear and started stopping every mile, like they said, so. Car troubles are never fun especially when you're on vacation. Glad we have everybody back. Week 1 we're here. It's it's great. I feel like we talked about it offline. This is the season we've been anticipating for as long as we can remember. It feels like this off season's been longer than most because of it. We've just every day we've poured our heart and soul into just waiting for the season that now we're here. I mean, the game's on in two hours, Chiefs and Lions, and it still doesn't feel like kickoff. Once that ball's in the air, though, it's, you know, your your Bills, we're going to discuss some, you know, team awards, who's likely to win MVP, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and then we'll go through some of the team awards, the team-specific awards. I know that's a bit more open-ended because they need to see the season happen, but we can talk about guys and who's, you know, won those awards in the past and who we think could win those this year. But just excited to get into it. Week one, divisional game right out the gates. We're going to try something new here. Uh, Season two of Jet Nation Live. This is our anniversary. Glenn and I started uh, YouTubing last year at this time, entering week one, going into the Ravens game. And I can say 365 days later, my outlook is much more positive on the entire season. I don't know about you, uh, Chris. You weren't here with us last year. But Glenn, just a a 365-day scope. Where we were going into the Ravens game, where we are now,
2: yeah, well, listen uh, that at that point it was all about will Zach Wilson you know show growth and get better and and all that uh, you know the the key is always the quarterback, and that he was the number one question mark, and it didn't happen, you know, he didn't get better he he got worse, if you ask me, um so yeah, but now it's like he's he's q b two you hope if he plays it all this year it's in relief during a blowout or a week, you know, final week of the season he gets to start because they have a playoff spot locked up. But um, yeah, listen, the the D line last year was fantastic. You added Will McDonald to it. You added Aaron Rodgers. This team should be able to hang with anybody. And really, I don't know that Aaron Rodgers has ever played on a defense this good. So, you know, special things ahead, hopefully.
0: Absolutely. And Chris, what is your anticipation anticipation level, excuse me, going into this year compared to last year? I mean, it's it's over the moon. I mean, when we looked at what the last offseason
1: going into last year brought us, we had excitement for what was going to be, hopefully, we thought, a step in the right direction for Zach Wilson. And very quickly, our hopes were dashed when he gets hurt. And now we're wondering, okay, when's he going to slot back into to the lineup, back in being the starting quarterback? And then we hear, oh, yeah, he might not be ready until the Steelers game in week four. Oh, okay, and then that just completely dashes the first couple weeks of the season because you're anticipating this team to not play very well. And all you need to know to understand the excitement that we all have here is just, and I don't know if he's done this on purpose, but if you can see Glenn's screen right to the left of his microphone, he just has up a picture of a smiling Aaron Rodgers wearing a Jets polo. There you go, there's the difference. That is why there's excitement. And Glenn, I don't know if you did it on purpose. If you did, it's fantastic because I'm using it here for my answer. But when you go from the the trials and tribulations that we had last year with Zach Wilson, the up and down roller coaster that we had throughout the course of the season, Mike White coming in playing very well, thinking that this team could go on a run uh, to potentially make the postseason, and then it getting dashed because of poor quarterback play. To now go to what is a completely different Aaron Rodgers than the guy that was in Green Bay for the last couple of seasons. He's a completely different person, a different player, just entirely different guy that is now here in New York. That is embracing the expectations is embracing the talk embracing the buzz around this team and saying yeah now we're going to go out and go back it up and do it how can you not be giddy how can you not be excited for what the season is going to bring
0: yeah exactly and i think rogers has definitely pumped a, a fair bit of excitement and and realistic expectations into this team that they haven't seen before i think it's a more tangible version of when they all put the mike F and white shirts on in support of their quarterback like this is actually something real and tangible. This is a potentially season-long, you know, barring injury. This is a season-long, multiple-season-long window with Aaron Rodgers. So I, I I agree. Over the moon is probably the best way to describe it, even if you're a fan. Clearly, the players feel that way. They, You just see Michael Carter smiling at Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines after that Jihad Ward uh, scuff and and they just look at this like he's still our quarterback. He's sit, sitting there in our uniform, throwing us passes and we still can't believe that he's our quarterback. So, I certainly agree. Over the moon is is definitely an apt description of of what this is going to be. Can I ask both of you a question because I asked this to a friend who is not affiliated
1: with the New York Jets in any capacity. This is a this is a person uh, that I talk football with quite quite a bit and they are a fan of a completely different team. And I asked that person, I said, "Help me with this." I said, I get the sense that this is a totally different Aaron Rodgers than the guy that we saw in Green Bay the last couple of seasons. Like his attitude just feels different. He feels like he's embracing his teammates more. It feels like he's a better leader. It felt like he was just he just was done with Green Bay for whatever the case may be, whatever side you want to take in that in that situation. It just felt like this is a different person. And and when we had the introductory press conference for Aaron Rodgers, you could feel it, right? You could feel like, wow, this feels like a different guy than the guy that was going on McAfee every week last season and just seemed kind of done with everybody, right? It just felt different. And I tried to push that emotion to the side because I'm like, ah, you're reading too much into it. You're just excited that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the New York Jets. But it just feels like every week we move closer and closer to the season with every clip I see from hard knocks, from everything I see from one Jets drive, from every press conference, from everything that everybody else says about Aaron Rodgers and to the people I talk to that are completely unaffiliated and are fans of different teams that are paying attention to this. They're even noticing, This is a completely different Aaron Rodgers. So do you guys feel the same way that I do that? Like, this is a totally different guy. And when we thought we were training for Aaron Rodgers, we were like, I don't know if he's going to play more than a year. I've completely put that into the recesses of my mind because of just the way he's acted here in the first couple of months that he's been in New York Jets.
2: Yeah, Dylan and I talked about that recently. You know, I I said, and and I was always, you know, careful to say, but I said a million times while that was going on, not that he would play a year, but the Jets had to approach it as if he was only going to play a year. Cause it was a big unknown. He did say he was whatever percent retired, but um, I mean, you talk about reinvigorated, rejuvenated. And and I said to Dylan, I think I tweeted it out afterwards. Like, I wonder if Aaron Rogers is sitting there thinking, and not even the jets, like it, it is the jets now. And that's great. But I wonder if he's thinking, I wish I went to a bigger market sooner. Like, I'm sure the people in Wisconsin are lovely and you know, everyone likes cheese, but outside of that, like, what are you doing in green Bay? Like what, like, what are the top five things you do in green Bay on a weekend for fun when it's not football season? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think he's just embraced this new, you know, he's, he's been a California guy playing in green Bay, completely different world. And he's clearly just living it up, you know, every day or two, he's doing something new with his teammates, embracing it. I think, you know, the situations are so much different, you know, in green Bay, obviously unhappy that they drafted his replacement far too early. He wanted to make a statement about that. Now he's coming here and it's like, well, I know I only have a couple years left, so I don't mind mentoring a young quarterback. Just didn't want to mentor a guy when I thought I still had five, six years left in me, which clearly he did. So now we as Jets fans hope he's got three or four more. And uh, you know, at a high level because well, I, it could I, just
1: be one. It could just be it one, Could if, Look, it, like if I it's said, the right year this year, it you can, can just can't be one and out. I'm okay with
2: it. Yeah, and anything can happen. Anything's possible. Absolutely. Right. I think anybody would be happy with that outcome. But um, yeah, I I think I think he looks more relaxed. He looks happier. And I think he's, um, you know, he's psyched to be here. And we're, we're seeing it on a regular basis. You know, we've heard Klecko say it. Klecko said initially, I don't know if he'd be the right fit. He, is he going to mentor the young guys? Or is he going to be, you know, isolate himself because he's this big figure? Um, and Klecko is like, it's been fantastic. And I think, I don't know, it's undeniable at this point that he's completely embraced being in New York. A new lifestyle, new team. And, um, I mean, it's how can you not be excited?
0: Yeah, I think even if you haven't followed Aaron Rodgers' entire career and you solely just started picking up on watching him when he became a New York Jet, you can kind of pick up on what the at least the media was saying, probably incorrectly, about Aaron Rodgers that he wasn't happy in Green Bay, and there was a lot of friction for the past three seasons on his way out of there. Obviously, Jordan Love getting drafted. Um, they let go of Randall Cobb and then traded back for him mid season, all things that made him mad. So, yeah, I think when you have a divorce like that, after such a long time, you start to look inward on yourself and you change a couple of things. And I think one of the things Rogers noticed was he needed more patience with the players, especially young players. And if you're going to come to a team like the Jets, which two seasons ago, uh, Rich just put it out in his Sunday article. They were the youngest team in the NFL. Now they're the oldest team in the NFL. So yes, we have injected a lot of veteran leadership, veteran voices. You still have a lot of young people on this team. So you have to come with a ton of patience. And I think Rodgers has learned that. I think everything he's said in the press conferences about it being a dream in New York are all things that a lot of fans like me are saying in their head. And so it's kind of cool to hear Rodgers saying those things out loud. But then I also think there's a handful of even Jets fans and just football fans out there that are OK, when's the, the next shoe going to drop and when is Rogers going to start getting mad? And I think we saw a glimpse of that with the F-bombs in and practice and, you know, criticizing the mistakes. But that's the time to do it is in practice. And sure, it could carry over in the regular season. But to say we didn't get a new um, mindset with Aaron Rodgers coming over to New York would just be false because it's clearly a, a refreshing like ready to go Aaron Rodgers who does have that fire and is ready to go I mean I just go back to the Jihad Ward play you push him after the play five steps and then the next play you come back and throw a beautiful touchdown so that's just quintessential Rodgers what he's been doing for two decades and I'm just excited to see that in the green and white yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun I can't wait yeah absolutely all right so um, before I guess we get into the team, uh, team awards we'll go into just banter about the league awards obviously we had two players last year sauce gardner Garrett wilson they won defensive and offensive rookie respectively this year it's not necessarily so like hopeful for our rookies this year but we still have will mcdonald who could be a defensive rookie of the year candidate glenn i know you mentioned that i've been you know leading the hype train for will mcdonald i want his jersey the legacy white so bad they don't have it yet available they have jermaine johnson so we're starting to get that d-line group going on fan, uh, fanatics.com get get that mcdonald jersey because he could be defensive rookie of the year is there any of anybody else in the entire rookie class we'll open it up offense defense we'll start with you chris anybody in the rookie class that could fight for a spot in the rookie you know ballot at the end of the season
1: no, I, it's, it's either Will McDonald or Buss for the New York Jets, and that's okay, right? That that shows you where they're at in their process in terms of roster building. If you, every single year, have a bunch of candidates for offensive and defensive rookie of the year, it's probably because you're picking a lot and you're picking high up in the order, and you don't want that. You don't want to be the Houston Texans. You don't want to be uh, the the Jacksonville Jaguars there for a stretch where it felt like every year they had a candidate for one of these awards. It's okay to not have a candidate for one of these awards. You want to have candidates for those other awards, MVP, Offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. That's kind of where you want to see your team mature. But it's Will McDonald or Bust. I think the two things that are going to work against him, though, if I was going to play the other side of this, are the rotation. It's it's just always going to be a problem for him. And the fact that there are other players, mainly guys that were drafted inside the top 10, top 8 picks, that play that same position that I think are going to be they're just going to be let loose. There's not going to be that governor on them. There's not going to be that rotation that keeps them off the field. And they're going to be out there a ton and have that opportunity to produce a ton of numbers. So if there was going to be a player, it's, it's just Will McDonald, just because of the way the Jets drafted this year. Again, it's easy to have Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner as offensive and defense rookie of the year. You pick twice inside the top 10, right? It's easy to have candidates. When you don't pick that high up and you don't have that many picks, it's harder to have those candidates.
0: Glenn, your thoughts on the rookies?
2: Yeah, I I think it's uh it, it will McDonald's is their best is their best shot, and as I said, I think I said on draft night, like it's it's going to come down to how many snaps he plays. You know, we saw it last year. We saw that uh, Jermaine Johnson was a first round pick, edge rusher, and he played what twenty six, twenty seven percent of the snaps. That's not going to be enough. You know, he it, it could be a thing where you know they're going to have a lot of nationally televised games, and if he makes plays in those games, if he makes you know if if you're getting sacks on the final drive, like those game clinching plays, that kind of you know that that sticks in people's minds and, and may give you a little bit of extra juice, but I think I think any hope of him winning it, he's got to get more playing time than a guy like Jermaine Johnson had last season, and um, we, you know, we're just gonna
1: have to see what his snap count looks like. Can, can I can I veer us in a different direction real quick? Sure. I have not gotten a chance to talk to Glenn in a really long time, so I do want to bring this up, and we're talking about rookies, so it feels like the perfect opportunity for me to to hatch this out with my good friend Glenn. Do we want to have a, a, a talk about the Israel-Banacana pick now that they've added Dalvin Cook? Because you and I have not had a chance to discuss this together. And it, I mean, listen, uh, I didn't love
2: going after Dalvin Cook. I thought price tag plus his desire to real, his real desire to be in Miami and, and having a Banacana, I thought that this offense with Aaron Rodgers, you know, it's, all this is going to be predicated on the healthy O-line. But I felt like if this O-line was healthy, they were, they were good enough. You know, you didn't need Cook. Um, now that he's here, great. Hope he plays well. But uh, yeah, the Abana canda pick now looks. I mean, granted, it's a one-year deal for Cook, so you know, for at least for this season, it it looks it makes the pick look that much worse. Well, and, and I love the pick.
1: And I, and, and I didn't, and, the, and right. the reason why I didn't is because where I thought he was going to slot on the depth chart and it made, and the problem got made even worse, but I will say this to keep it back on the topic that we're talking about, I would feel very differently about the answer that I just gave about Will McDonald, and I would consider Israel the Banacanda if Dalvin Cook wasn't in this room. Yeah. Michael Carter didn't play that great last year. We talked about this. Brees Hall's coming off of a, of a major knee injury, and so we don't know. We can sit here and we can take all the quotes and we can take everything at face value that he looks great when he's out there, but until he has game reps, remember he only played in six, seven games last year, So Mm -hmm. there would have been an opportunity for me to sit up here and make that case. But guess what? If Michael Carter doesn't play well, Dalvin Cook's going to get those touches. If Brees Hall doesn't play well, Dalvin Cook's going to get those touches. If Izzy Bannacan doesn't play well, Dalvin Cook's going to get those touches. Like Dalvin Cook's going to be the answer to a lot of these problems that could arise in that running back room. So I just think it makes it almost impossible for anybody to be in the mix at that position. Because even if Izzy gets touches, right? even if they find a way to manufacture touches for Izzy, He's basically going to have to do exactly what he did in college, which is basically score a touchdown every time he touches the ball in yeah. order to be in the mix for offensive rookie of the year. Now he did it in college. Basically every time he touched the ball, he went to the end zone, but he's not going to have enough volume. I think to, Ex- to be exactly. there statistically.
0: He,
2: bar, bar, unless someone gets injured,
1: unless somebody gets hurt. He's not going to have the touches.
0: Yeah. Uh, shout out Jets chaos in the chat. Um, yeah. I think as far as Izzy Abana Kanda goes, once you signed Dalvin, it was really tough even with Bam on or off the roster for him to make it. And I think for the most part, Izzy's probably going to be undressed, you know, in street clothes to start the season. Obviously if an injury happens in the room, that's not going to be the case. But I felt like before Dalvin Cook entered this scenario, Izzy could have been better than Bam Knight in terms of how they use their running backs. And he, what's up chris you be careful just don't be talking bad about bam Knight just because he's gone now no no, no no no. He... i'm absolutely not and we talked about how good he could be with the lions shout out to bam Knight and the lions tonight but uh i do think just the way they wanted to use him and that kind of goes with how they signed dalvin cook they're similar in a way they're both speedy backs they kind of just one cut and go they don't really give you too much from past pro protection so like maybe like the, uh glenn was saying dalvin's here for a year you have Izzy learning under Dalvin Cook, and he can kind of be that guy to use him in a similar way. Obviously, they're not the same player by any stretch, but Izzy is known for his explosive long runs. So it is going to be tough for him to make the game day roster, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but as far as Will McDonald was concerned, I thought he, he does have a chance just based off if he gets high sack numbers. So he would really have to put up like Bryce Huff, you know, next gen stat numbers with his rotation usage and then the sack production on top he'd of have, it. He'd
2: have to close though. He's got to get there. You know, yes, Bryce doesn't exactly. get home very often.
0: Yeah.
2: His efficiency would have to be through the roof for him yes. to win it only playing again. I'm, I'm just comparing it to the Jermaine numbers last year. They might, they might like him more and he might play 35%, which puts him, you know, gives him that much more of a shot.
0: Exactly. Right. You need to which have also the...
1: going to have Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson Jr. on the field almost double probably the amount of time that he's right. on the field and probably going to be able to put up double the amount of production. That's the problem. That's the uphill battle that Will faces. Yes. He might he might be able to do everything we're talking about with the sna- with the snaps that he gets and be extremely efficient and be extremely productive, but it's not going to be enough in comparison to everybody else at that position. Like Lucas Van Ness and Green Bay, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just another guy that I think is just going to get more snaps than mm-hmm.
0: Will will, and that's just going to be the issue. It's just it's going to be the same thing we talked about with Izzy. It's going to be a snaps problem. Yeah, you seriously have to have like 12 and a half, 13 and a half sacks with like an extremely low usage compared to your counterparts to in order to get the defensive rookie right. this year. And obviously, offensive rookie is going to be tough for any of the Jets guys. One, they weren't drafted high enough. And two, you yeah. have. Three quarterbacks and Bijan Robinson in the top 10. So, like, that's and just Jameer not going to happen. I was, I was just going to say guy. Jameer
1: Gibbs, probably the better candidate than Bijan Robinson. I know that's probably a bit that's of a hot true. take. But no, yeah. Jameer absolutely. Gibbs, potentially the more productive. I'll go out and say on a limb, I think Jameer Gibbs will be the more productive player
0: in year one than Bijan Robinson. Yeah. I don't, I don't even think that's much of a hot take, to be honest. I love Jameer Gibbs' game. And like they said, they can use him in the pass game. They don't really have a defined role for him. They're just going to put him all over the place, similar to like Cordell Patterson, I guess, being that Joker. I may or may not have a couple of player props on Jameer Gibbs tonight. Just saying. I oh, may or may hey. not. Just have I've, I've, I haven't. I don't do
2: fantasy football anymore. I've drafted mm-hmm. teams the last couple of years, like literally on opening day, because I'm so bored. Okay. But because the Jets actually have good players now. I've drafted a bunch of teams, and Jameer Gibbs on every one of them.
1: Yeah, I have in a
0: couple teams. It's just you, you got to have him. I think he's going to be incredible. Yeah, he, he's really a special talent. Um, all right, moving on now. Non rookies, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. We did have. Uh, one person get a vote for this Defensive Player of the Year award last year. That's Quinn and Williams. Uh, I think this year we have a couple more candidates to talk about. Um, I'll let you go first on this one, Glenn. Any offensive and defensive players that come to your mind? And you don't have to go in depth, but just name a couple from each side. Um,
2: you know, I mean, as, as as far as Jets players or? Just... Yeah,
0: Jets players to win offensive or defensive players.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think if anyone, I think the best shot is Quinn and Williams. We touched on that briefly. Mm-hmm. I tweeted that out a couple days ago. Um, I think he's gonna have a monster year. I think as much as teams are gonna want to double him, if these edge guys are as good as we hope, and they're gonna have a hard time doubling him, doubling him as often as they would like. Um, and if they do, if they do, that just means the edge guys are gonna feast. But I think Quinnen, and I think um, I I wouldn't be surprised if Garrett Wilson got a couple of votes. You know, I I said months ago that I thought he could be a fourteen hundred yard guy in this offense, and The more I hear Aaron Rodgers talk about him, and as much as I see them vibing and gelling already, I'm like, he he might go for fifteen or sixteen hundred. Like he, and I think Zach Rosenblatt said the other day, like by the end of the season, he's going to be in the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase conversation. Um, And that's those are lofty expectations, but like I said, I I said fourteen hundred before we saw how well they were playing together. So I'm already looking at it, thinking fifteen hundred plus isn't out of the question, and I think fifteen hundred plus maybe gets you a vote or two.
0: Absolutely. Chris? Uh, yeah, I, I, I have a point
1: I want to make about Q here in a second for defensive player of the year, but I'll throw Sauce's name in the mix as well. This is a guy that is the defending, uh, or he can't defend it, but he's the reigning right. defensive rookie of the year. This is a guy that got some votes, albeit not high up there, but got votes for the defensive player of the year as a rookie. And if he continues to be the shutdown corner that he was last year, if he plays exactly the same, and now he's got two years of a sample size, even though they, people only evaluate, they're only supposed to evaluate on the year in front of them, they're going to look at it and say, this guy's done this for two seasons, he's going to deserve a vote. But I will give you the case because I do a thing with my friends every year where we pick every team uh, to make the playoffs. In each conference, we pick the team that's going to finish with the worst record and we pick all the awards. I had to do the awards. I wrote Quinn and Williams' name down for the Defensive Player of the Year. Here's why I will tell you that that is the case. That award, and those awards in particular, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, you have to be buzzworthy. You have to be notable. Your team has to be relevant throughout the course of the storytelling that is the 17, 18 week season of the National Football League to where you're in the mix. And for the New York Jets, they have not been in the mix for good reason over the course of the last couple of seasons. And if the New York Jets go where the people on this show think they are going to be able to get to, or they have the potential to get to, that means they're in the mix in a good way. And that means probably because this defense is really, really good and is causing causing chaos. That allows a guy like Quinn Williams guy guy that got a brand new contract. Count how many times throughout the course of the season when the Jets are on national TV, they show Q, and they talk about the contract that he signed mm-hmm. this offseason, and they show the numbers. They're going to do it all the time. So it's what these broadcasts love to do. They're like, oh, Quinn Williams just signed a massive contract extension this past offseason. They're going to do it every time they play on national TV. They'll do it on Monday for sure. I know Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will bring it up. So you have a guy that's going to be in the news, going to be noteworthy every single time they step foot on the field for a nationally televised game, and they got a bunch this year. You then have a guy at a position in which – potentially the two players that are better than him, in some people's opinion, in Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. Well, I'm here to tell you, we've got a game starting in an hour and a half, and I'm here to tell you, Chris Jones ain't going to be on the field tonight. Who knows when Chris Jones is going to return for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Aaron Donald already won this award, so they very rarely like to give an award to the same player twice, especially at that position. And he's going to be on a Rams team that's probably not going to be pretty good. So there, it, there is a sort of perfect storm that I think could be productive for Quinn Williams to be in the mixer. Now, again, he's got to go out there and put up numbers that he did last year and probably even beat those numbers a little bit to be in the mix. But I do see a very realistic path for him for defensive player of the year. For offensive player of the year, I mean, Garrett Wilson's going to be the, the pick because it's going to be a non-running back. Maybe you could say Brees Hall, but I'm not there yet. It's too small of a sample size to, to go out on that limb. The problem with Garrett Wilson is the position that he plays. Because to me, if he's going to win offensive player of the year, normally that goes to the best non-quarterback offensive player. You are telling me Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, and Jamar Chase aren't all going to have similarly statistical seasons, if not better seasons than Garrett Wilson. He would need to be better than all three of those guys statistically, I think, to break through and beat those guys. Is it possible? Sure. He's the best option the Jets have, and he's going to get the ball thrown to him a ton. But I got Chase, Hill, Waddle, Jefferson. I I didn't even mention Mike Williams. There's a lot of wide receivers in the AFC that are really, really good. Going to be really, really special. Calvin Ridley comes back and has a fantastic season. You don't think he's going to get some votes down there in Jacksonville? A lot of options. And so that would be the concern for Garrett. But I think he is the player the most uh, obviously non Aaron Rodgers that I think uh, is offensive player of the year worthy.
0: Yeah, I think I have to round out the the trio. Quinnen obviously is an obvious choice for defensive player of the year. Like, he, like I said, he got one vote last year, he had 12 and a half sacks. The past season so if he gets like 10 10 and a half 11 and his tackles for loss stays the same or gets better his total tackles gets better or stays the same he certainly could be in the mix for all the reasons that you said chris they don't like to double up chris jones clearly has a contract dispute with the chiefs that doesn't seem like it's going to end um you see what they, offered
1: they gave him a two-year 54 and a half million dollar contract extension that was reportedly fully guaranteed 27 and a half million per season he's not playing tonight wow. he got Jeez. apparently put in front of him a two-year 54 and a half million dollar contract extension put in front of him he is not playing tonight for the kansas city Chiefs. wow that's absolutely the, wild
2: the thing with the thing with Quentin williams too to keep in mind and you know with will mcdonald all these guys all these edge guys again this is all you know if the jets play as well as we expect like they're going to be playing with leads some big leads and teams are going to be throwing the ball a lot like mm-hmm. you know the whole pin your ears back right because teams are going to be down by 14 or 17 with 10 minutes to go and these guys are going to get a chance to get after the quarterback in ways they didn't last
0: year when they didn't score a touchdown for a damn month to close out the season. Yeah. Um, and, and just to circle back on your point about Garrett Wilson, Chris, I think it will be tough for him to make it offensive player of the year with all those uh, very elite names. Like you mentioned, he would definitely have to beat those guys statistically or, like I said, miss some time and still put up those similar numbers is going to be really tough. Um, my my choice for Offensive Player of the Year is actually Brees Hall, uh, more so because I think he's going to be fresh, not used in the first half of the season. So he will miss a lot of those primetime games where a lot of eyes will be on him. But if he's strong in like November, December, January football and you get a healthy Brees who's like, you know, averaging, you know, 100, 110 scrimmage yards a game for the last 10 weeks of the season or something like that. I totally see, you know, like a Brock Purdy surge last year. Voters just liking the late guy who comes on. And Brees Hall's obviously, you know, established for what he did last year. But to come back and just have that late season push for him uh, would be great. And then defensive player of the year, I want to throw DJ Reed's name in the ring. I think he's deserved it. He's our cornerback 1B, really, to Sauce Gardner. I don't even want to, you know tarnish his name and call him a cornerback too, because he's clearly like the best one in the NFL. So I think if, if they don't test sauce, they obviously the Giants got a little ballsy with Jalen Hyatt burning sauce twice in that Giants game. Um, I think if, if DJ Reed gets more targets and more ball production, more takeaways, he could certainly be a name to watch out for on the defensive side. Um, Last two awards real quick. And then we'll get into the bills preview because we're at a half hour Uh, MVP and comeback player of the year. I have a candidate who could win both. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is the the number one answer that you could look at. Um, I don't necessarily think Brees Hall can win MVP, but he could win comeback player of the year. Uh, Makai Becton, they rarely ever give it to offensive linemen, but I think if he even plays 17 games at an average NFL tackle level, he deserves to be in the comeback player of the year discussion. Um, defensively, I don't really see too many names that could you know, bounce back and have such a great year. Obviously, Jordan Whitehead, we want to see more from him, but not enough to say comeback player worthy. Um, is there anybody on defense that I'm missing, or offensive names that you guys uh, think could be worthy of comeback player or, or MVP even? Chris, first,
1: I'll throw a name in for for comeback player of the year, um, and, and it's along the lines of the Makai Becton thing. Voters would never vote this way, right? The people who get the ballots that vote this way would never do this. But if I for doing this, this exercise, and I'm telling you how I would vote. If Elijah Vera Tucker comes back and he's the player that he was for the New York Jets ahead of time, I don't know how you don't have the same conversation about him that you have about Mekhi Beckton. I mean, this dude was the MVP of the New York Jets offense throughout the first six or seven weeks of the season. Oh, I'll play left tackle this week. Oh, you need me to play right guard this week? Okay, great. I got to play left guard today or right tackle? Got it. No problem. Guy can play everywhere on the offensive line and he comes back from this injury. And if he still is doing that and playing at an elite level, uh, I think you have to make uh, a, a, a consideration for him here. I'll throw something at you, Dylan. There's another award here that you have not brought up that we could have a candidate for. Uh-uh. If the New York Jets win high double digits, I'm talking 11, 12, maybe 13 games, you don't think the media-driven hype train that is going to be the New York Jets isn't going to get Robert Sala some votes for coach of the year?
0: Or how about executive of the, executive year, for of the year for acquiring Joe Aaron Rodgers? Right.
1: Yeah, the, the, both of those guys are going to be on the
0: shortlist if this team Even wins you 12 or 13 games. <laughs> No, you guys are absolutely right. I, I'm glad that you called me out on that. Um, I wasn't even gonna touch on that when we get into the coaching later, but that's a good point. Robert Salah should and Joe Douglas both deserve if we're gonna tear them down for every, you know, questionable or bad thing they've done in the past four years, we need to start giving them, them flat their flowers if things start producing. So absolutely those guys are in in the in the the running for sure.
2: Yeah, and Jets Chaos makes a comment here, and I was gonna mention this with with Beckton as far as comeback player. I think, I think he would have an even better shot than AVT because, you know, mm-hmm. I think the fact of the matter is whether it's fans, voters, like, everybody loves a good highlight reel. And mm-hmm. there are not many players in the NFL Mekhi that can put Beckton. together a highlight reel like Makai Becton can yeah. for an offense. Like, how many offensive linemen do you see on your Twitter feed where you're like, oh, I got to watch this? But when it's Becton, you're like, oh, what'd he do? What'd he do? And, you, you know, you just watch him toss dudes. And he does. I've, I, to me, I think Beckton and Trent Williams. Are the only two guys you see that just treat three hundred pound human beings like they're like a sack of potatoes? And if Becton, as you said, Dylan, stay on the damn. I think if he plays fourteen plus games and he does enough of that, he gets it once or twice a week. He takes a defender off his feet and launches him into the bench. I think he gets into that conversation because you can. It, it's going to be weekly Baldy breakdown viral highlight film of Makai Becton. Whereas you know, I've I had this conversation with somebody earlier today. I think if you take into consideration durability, versatility, like AVT is the better player. But just in terms of pure, raw, physical talent, Becton's the better player. And if he stays on the field, it's been such a big story that he's missed two full seasons. I think he's got a really good shot at comeback player, again, if he stays on the field.
0: Yeah, I think uh, whenever you see a a video of an offensive lineman on social media, it's usually him getting embarrassed by the defensive lineman. Rarely ever the case with Mekhi Becton. It's usually like, oh, wow, let's go check in and see who's getting pancaked by Highway 77. And I think it's just going to be mutually beneficial for both him and ABT side by side together just creating the biggest rush lanes you can for for Brees and, and Dalvin and Michael Carter so I think those are all great names um obviously we're all in <clears> the <throat> MVP is really just a Rogers thing because it's it's a quarterback only award it seems for the past few years um before we uh get into the actual meat and potatoes of the Jets preview what's up Marcos in the chat we do um I did. There it is. He actually just put it right in the the chat. He read my mind. What's your prediction? I didn't want to uh, go talk about the bills and predict that game without doing an entire season prediction. We're just going to keep this one short. Just give me your record. You don't have to tell me how they got there. Uh, You can tell me if they make the playoffs or not. Wink, wink. And uh, we'll go from there. I'll start first. I think 11 and six is where I started when the schedule came out. I've talked myself into, you know, 12, 13 wins. Just really gone gung-ho and even said 14 wins if everything hits stride but I come back to 11 and six every time and I feel like that's just kind of a balanced approach I think we end up second in the division so we make the playoffs as you know a sixth or seventh seed not necessarily getting to host a home playoff game per se so we at least make it to the dance Glenn how about you undefeated 20-0 and perfect season (laughs) hang the banner now right
2: that's right we'll be be playing the first
0: game of the year next year 12-5,
2: Twelve and five, 12 and
1: five, and they're going to the Super Bowl.
0: Hell yeah, Chris. What Listen, do you got? I
1: hate, I hate that you guys did this this way. I, and I know you did it on purpose because we talked about this in the pre-show. How? But I said, I
0: said,
2: I, I said that that was my prediction.
1: Yep. I have the Go New ahead, York Chris, Football Jets. Think? Yeah, I have the New York Football Jets going ten and seven, and I have them missing the playoffs. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize to everybody out there. I don't want this to be true. But there, there are a couple of things that I, I think get me to this place. Until this team overcomes some of the demons that they've had in the past, beating the New England Patriots, for example, it is hard for me to just look at the schedule and say, win, 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 they're going to win all these games, and they're going to get to 12, 13 wins. They have a brutal first six games that include playing the defending Super Bowl champs, the defending NFC champs, They have to play the Buffalo Bills on Monday, who are a team that they're going to be directly competing with in the division. And that's just a couple of the games that they have. They also have Denver. And don't think both of those teams aren't going to be adrenaline-filled for that football game. That game is going to be a lot closer than people think it's going to be. I have the Jets winning that game, but that game is going to have emotion. It's going to have energy. It's going to have all the stuff. And then, oh, by the way, the other game in there is you have to play the Dallas Cowboys, who everybody thinks could be a threat to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in the NFC East. So with that being said, the first six weeks are tough. The second half of the schedule is is more advantageous for them. They've got some teams that I think they can beat. I think they can go on the road and beat the Raiders in Vegas. They've got a lot of, uh, I think, opportunity in the second half to make up for a slow start. But I just look at this, and until I see them beat New England, until I see them handle Buffalo and handle Miami and show that they're going to be able to compete with these teams, and i got to see how they look like against the Kansas City Chiefs. I can't just be start giving out victories. I thought I was generous. I think they could get to 12 or 13. I'm not saying that, that I don't think it's possible. It is. There are a bunch of games in the schedule I could easily flip, but if I was being realistic and being reasonable, I have them at 10 and seven, and I don't think 10 and seven wins the division. I think 10 and seven is going to have them probably behind and probably tied with either the Bills or the Dolphins. I have the Dolphins winning the division. And at 10 and seven guys, you've got the Steelers, Bengals, Ravens, and Browns in the AFC North that are going to be in the mix. You've got the Chiefs and the Chargers that are going to be in the mix. You've got. I just think there's a lot of teams that could potentially be there and be at 10 or 11 wins, and it's going to come down to tiebreakers. And so, just for me, I don't have them getting there uh, on the tiebreakers. I have them just missing out. I think it's going to be chaotic. Um, But to me, and I said this in the pre-show, I I will say it here: if this team is four and two or five and one going into the bye week, they play this first six-game stretch four and two, five and one. Take everything I just said, rip it up. It does. it, it, It. My prediction is completely null and void at that point. If they go through this stretch that includes all these good teams at four and two and five and one, then they are a different team than I think they are right now. But it's going to take some time to, Joe. I just don't think we can expect them to walk in on Monday and just club the Bills and all, uh, the new era begins and there's going to be no ups and downs. I just I have a tough time with that. 10 and seven, they don't make the playoffs.
0: I'm I'm really glad that you circled back and said your prediction record again because I feel like everybody only heard doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah, and I, know, I know. Immediately I immediately yeah. started you know calling you a hater, but I think if you followed everything that we talked about during the entire summer of Schubert with our ranking series, we both came to the Jets as the third best uh, ranking roster rankings in the division. Obviously, we can tweak a couple things now with you know two months of you know evidence behind it, but. Sure it's this is pretty par for the course for everything that you've been saying this season 10 and 7 is not a a bad season by any stretch i mean i I, most Jets fans would kill for double digit wins but that might not get it done in such a strong conference and division just so we're clear
1: right just so everybody understands i i I use playoff predictors.com to do the Jets schedule i have the jets going eight and three post by that's how much i think the first six games of the season matters for this team i have them going two and four in that stretch i have them losing to the bills I still have them losing to the Patriots until proven otherwise, and I have them losing to the Chiefs and the Eagles. And I don't, I don't think that's completely like out of left field for me to say that they're going to lose to the defending Super Bowl champs, the defending NFC champs, the Bills, who until they're taken off the mantel top of being the top team in the AFC East, that that's that's unreasonable. They also haven't beaten the, the Patriots in seven years. Like until they do those things, how can my default not be? Well, they're not going to do that. And so yes, I could, I could if I give them the Patriots game and I give them one of the other three games, then all of a sudden I have a 12-win football team. See how quickly it changes? That's why I said mm-hmm. the important thing for the New York Jets in 2023 is not what they do post bye. I think the schedule is really advantageous for them. It is 100% what they do in these first six weeks. How do they look against the Chiefs? How do they look against the Eagles? Are they able to beat the Patriots? Do they surprise, I don't have them winning on Monday. Do they surprise and beat the Bills on Monday night? If they're able to do those things, that is a difference maker, and Jets chaos in the Jets is losing to the Pats. Have you watched the last seven years of the New York Jets against the New England Patriots? Games but that they Aaron should absolutely Rogers. have won in the past. <laughs> I mean, they lost on a punt return. They gave up three points. Yeah, it, you know, what I mean, I, but Glenn, and, in years past, games they should have won, they lose. So just because they have Aaron Rodgers doesn't mean oh, absolutely they're going to slay the dragon and beat the beat the Patriots. It doesn't it? Doesn't I, I? I think they I
2: think they sweep the Pats this year, and we I saw them. That. You know, look at Josh Allen's numbers against his defense last year. He did little to nothing. Um, The Jets split with them despite having Zach Wilson and Mike
1: White um, hung with the Bills in both games. I think, and I have uh, them splitting with the Bills this year too, just for the record. mm -hmm. Like I I have them splitting that series. I just have them losing this one and then getting the revenge on the road later. I have the reverse. I just,
2: I, I, I look at some of these teams where last year, despite the Jets being not very good, they were, they were right there with these teams. And there's no bigger difference maker in the NFL. Like no team improved at the quarterback position more than the Jets did. You went from be the worst quarterback in the NFL to a top eight quarterback. Um, and I think that's, I think that's good for 10 points a game. And you give them 10 points in those games that, you know, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not saying you're crazy. I'm not saying, you know, we're, we're two wins apart on our prediction. Right. That's, yeah. and, and that's, I can, a, that's a missed field goal and a recovered fumble.
1: You know what right, I mean? And, that and I can very easily see how you get there. There were just games that I wasn't willing to give that you gave. And also, by the way, I just want to make it clear. I have the Jets winning the all important road game in week eight against the New York Giants. I have them yes. winning that very important road contest in week. Yeah, that's. I'll tell you what, man. With with what we saw with uh with um
2: in hard knocks with the Giants player who went after Rodgers mm-hmm. and with what Sean Payton talking trash about Hackett, like there's some nice little storylines brewing for these games when they roll around where there will be a, you know a personal aspect where um, I I think the Denver one's going to be interesting because I think I think yeah. players take that stuff to heart when you go after their coaches. And Peyton himself said he was out of line to do it. He knows he was wrong. Um,
0: so th- those those are going to be fun games, man. Yeah, when when you look at the first what is this eight games of the Jets schedule? Buffalo, that's emotional divisional game. Dallas, that's emotional for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, New England, emotional divisional game. KC, that's the top dog you're trying to dismount. Um, Denver, you have the obviously emotion with Sean Payton. Philly, you're trying to crack a franchise long streak of losing to a team. And then you have the Giants who you share a stadium with. So, like, there's tons of storylines going up to all of these games. And and I think it's great. I mean, you you that that draws eyes, obviously. And the Jets are gonna get tons of eyes, and that helps with the discussion we had about awards and who, you know, who can win these awards for the Jets. So I think it's really important. But no game is bigger than this one right here. It's the next game. The Jets and the Bills, four days from now, Monday Night Football, September 11th, MetLife Stadium, going to be an absolutely amped-up crowd. I feel like if the crowd doesn't come and you know destroy that decibel chart that they put up in the stadium, it's it's probably a failure from the Jets fans' perspective because every time the season opener in a non-really competitive season, they're packed. So now we have a competitive season with expectations. This house should be packed, and I think the Jets are going to pack it out. Um,
1: D- D- we, Dylan, just to prove that point, my dad, who moved, who recently moved out of the state, him and my parent, him and my mom, live in a different state. They moved out of New York. This man is going to be in attendance on Monday night for this game. That's how excited he is. He is going now. He's, he's going with my sister, who's a Bills fan. Don't ask me how that happened. I'm not really sure. Mm. They are going to the game together he is traveling he is flying he's going to be there in new york he's coming back from a work trip and staying in new york so that he can go to this game on Monday. that's how big of a deal it is so if if that's my dad there's probably thousands of other examples of people who haven't been to a game in a really long time that are going to want to be there to see aaron Rodgers in in this new
0: new york team. absolutely and what i heard from that is uh your takes don't make you the bad apple your sister being that's right all of my comparison
1: to her or i mean it's great i'm it's fantastic
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Uh so for this season, we're gonna do a little something special. I have this uh worked up here, a nice little slideshow presentation. It's the tail of the tape. We're gonna go through the Jets in the in the Bills roster, break it down position by position, and just you know, we came to a, a collective agreement. I was overruled on one position. We'll get to that, but um we're gonna start right at the top. Obviously we'll
1: the position that you got over that'll be overruled on
0: will shock the chat. will be stunned. No, it. It, Absolutely not. If you've been if you've been paying attention to anything I've been saying, it will not shock you when we get there. First up, quarterback position, obviously, you know, the number one position in in football in all of major sports. The Jets finally have one that can compete with. Um, I'm not going to say he's better than Josh Allen, but I think when you put the caveat of Josh Allen versus the Jets, Aaron Rodgers is better. Um, I do have this as a push. We we've collectively decided that this is a push. Uh, so you'll see both. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see both teams' logos. I use the proper logo for the Jets here. Uh, you'll see both Jets and Bill's logo in this spot. Not, not the case in every single position, but the Jets are very close with quarterback. Obviously, Rogers could be more then Josh Allen could be this season. I have two uh, two stats real quick about the quarterbacks. Allen last year against the Jets, 34 of 61, so 55% completions, 352 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. So that's over two games. That's, what, 175 yards per game for Josh Allen, so so not very good if you're looking at it from that metric. I do have a stat for Aaron Rodgers as well, 9-0 in his last Monday night football games. That's the positive. 0-2 oh, in his last openers, that's the negative. One of them potentially could get broken. I hope it's the latter. Uh, Glenn, what are your thoughts on the quarterbacks and then Chris?
2: Yeah, uh, the point you made, I was going to wait till we got to the defense to to make that point that we agree that, you know, um, if you're going to say Rodgers versus Allen, fine, we can call them even, but only one of them is playing the Jets defensive line. So to me, that gives Rodgers the edge in terms of, uh, you know, what he should be able to do. And I, I understand the bills are stronger at, at safety and all that. We'll get to all that stuff, but um, getting to the quarterback, disrupting the quarterback, is what it's all about. And I, funny, I didn't know you were going to mention the stats. I have them. I had them pulled up in front of me as well. Um, the the and they also got to Josh Allen eight times last year, um, eight sacks. And I just think that this D line with what they're able to do, and Josh Allen didn't move the ball a lot last year. You know, he had the big play to digs early on. Um, but really outside of that, didn't do a whole lot, and now this Jets defense, they got stronger up front. You know, a guy like Sauce, who's got another year under his belt, and we're hoping, you know, one of the things I think we're all excited to see, we're hoping that, you know, Tony Adams is going to be that center fielder who can cover a ton of ground in the secondary and make life a little bit harder on all the quarterbacks they face, but I agree. I think talent-wise, they're about similar. Um, I can see you going either way. I mean, Josh Allen put it Josh Allen has thrown 10 or more interceptions four times in his five seasons. Aaron Rodgers has done it three times in his 18 seasons. So Allen's a lot more prone to turn the ball over and you've got again the the, the they're they're facing vastly different D lines and it's uh but it's it's going to it's two great quarterbacks no matter how you slice it up and no matter which guy you prefer.
1: Yeah, I, I for me this is a this is a coin flip. I, I just don't think it, it it does anybody any favors to say Aaron Rodgers is better than Josh Allen or Josh Allen is better than Aaron Rodgers. These are both, I think, top six quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And you you can talk to six different people and you would get six different orders about the way that the top six quarterbacks should go. But you're going to see probably the similar six names. So calling this a coin toss is easily the right thing in my opinion. If you're asking me who has the better matchup. Obviously, I would say Aaron Rodgers has the better matchup going into this game on Monday, uh, but Josh Allen is special, and Josh Allen can do things that Aaron Rodgers can't do uh, at you know at his age that I think could be the difference maker. We saw that it, for the Jets, Jermaine Johnson being able to tackle Josh Allen was was a big difference in why they were able to win that football game against Buffalo, right? But Josh Allen can change a game with his legs, and so that's the big thing uh, to keep an eye on. But yes, I'm I'm cool with this being considered a coin flip.
0: Yeah, I think if you look at the totality of his career, Aaron Rodgers, obviously better than Josh Allen, but if you're looking at them specifically in a small lens of what are they going to do, you know, for the next two, three, four years, Josh Allen has the upside. He's younger. So yes, you could point to that. Makes it such a close game. And I think that's why the the game itself is going to be close because you have two great quarterbacks going at it. Next position group up is running backs. Um, This one, Chris and I were a little split about in the summer. Um, There's no split on this one i think we're all in agreement now especially with dalvin cook in the fold the jets are better than the bills as a running back unit despite how much i like james cook and damian harris even latavius murray i know naheem hines got hurt for the season since we last did our exercise um yeah the jets have a top one running back room in the nfl obviously i think Maybe the Packers with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon have something that rivals what the Jets could have from a depth and talent perspective. But I still think the Jets are number one. So I have them with the Jets. Uh, Glenn, your thoughts? And then Chris.
2: Yeah, I think the Jets, you know, again, especially with the addition of Cook, I think that they're, they're clearly better at running back. I think uh, I'm excited. The, the Brees Hall thing, you know, we we've seen a couple of guys now recently who have bounced back much faster from that injury. And you wonder how quick, you know, how quickly he'll be up to speed. Joe Douglas said the other day that, you know, his first full practice back, I hit him on a slant pattern and he, you know, he outran the entire defense. So maybe, you know, it was, it was two months ago. They said he was hitting 22 on the GPS. So who knows how quick he comes out of the gate? I mean, how crazy are Jets fans going to go? You know, if he breaks off a 50-yard run early on and shows that he's really not that far off being 100% than everyone anticipated.
1: If Brees Hall is 75% of the player that he was last year, if Dalvin Cook is 75% of the player that he was last year, I still think both of those versions of those players are better than what the Bills have to offer right now. James Cook was not very good in his rookie season. Damian and Latavius Murray are nice veteran depth options that give you something different, but that's what they are. They're veteran depth options. If the, if the, if the Buffalo Bills have to turn to them to do the heavy lifting, that's bad news for the Buffalo Bills. This is not a team who has a very decent running game outside of the guy wearing number 17. That's their running game. He is their running game. He is what they do offensively. So if we were talking about running backs in the running game, the big difference is the Bills have a guy, at quarterback that can move and they're going to utilize him in those areas. And the Jets need to be very mindful of that. And they were the two times that they played them last season. So that's the big thing here. Josh Allen is a bigger impact on the running game than James Cook, Damian Harris, or Latavius Murray are. Uh, but for the Bills, they need James Cook to, to take that next step. But I don't, I don't see how anybody looks at what the Jets have with Brees back being healthy, Dalvin Cook being in the fold. Even if they're 75% of the players that they wore last season, those are still very productive players for the New York Jets. So, yeah, no, no arguments here.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at the Jets, you can look at an area of weakness being susceptible to the run. I think with the Bills specifically, it's mostly Josh Allen, especially against the Jets. So you're really going to have to rely on those running backs. And if we bottle up Josh Allen, like the stats said from last season, if that carries over into this year, you're going to rely on these guys quite a bit. And I don't think that they're the, the group that you want to rely on, even against a somewhat leaky Jets run defense. So this one, this one all the way, I feel like was the Jets. <clears throat> However, the next room, I don't feel the same way. I feel like the next room is the Buffalo Bills um wide receiver. They obviously have the top line guy Stefan Diggs. We have Garrett Wilson. Some you could call it a push, some you want to see more from Garrett Wilson before you can say it's a push. That's kind of the camp I belong to. And earlier on in the summer I said that the Bills were better than the Jets even when they had Corey Davis. So I'm not going to, you know, reverse course now and say without Corey Davis all of a sudden we're better because Randall Cobb might be better than Khalil Shakir and Mikal Hardman might be better than Deontay Hardy. So it's really tough for me to say that the Jets definitively had the better room. I didn't want to give it a split. So I went with the Bills here. Uh, Chris, we'll go with you first on the wide receivers and then Glenn.
1: Yeah, I see it very similarly to the way that you see it. I think the bottom two guys for both groups, Michael Harmon and Randall Cobb, Deontay Hardy and Khalil Shakir, I think they're both washes, right? I just think you just look at them and you say these guys, these four players, they just wash each other out. Gabe Davis and Alan Lazard, I think it's close. I'd give the edge to Gabe Davis. I know he didn't have that breakout season that people were expecting of him a year ago, but I think he's a more reliable, true wide receiver two than Alan Lazard is. If I was ranking wide receiver twos in the National Football League, I think I would take the skill set of Gabe Davis over Alan Lazard. And listen, I'm sorry, I love seventeen but Stephon Diggs has done it longer and has done it at a higher level for longer than Garrett Wilson does. If you just told me you have, you have to have a guy to win a game. I still, I'm still taking Stephon Diggs right now over Garrett Wilson until there's a big enough sample size. So you add all that up and that's why this room gets the edge. Now it's not a insurmountable edge that the jets can't overcome. It's close. Garrett Wilson is still talented enough to put up similar numbers to that Stephon Diggs can do in a football game. And so the jets are fine. But there are, two, there are two positions on this screen right here that will be, I think, if we, are going, if we look back in a couple months from now and the Jets don't meet our expectations or they hit the prediction that I say in their 10-7 and seven and they miss the playoffs or they, they peter out early in the playoffs, we are going to look back, I think, at two positions that will have been the, the things that went for the New York Jets. I think it's the depth in this room specifically, and I think it's another group that we're going to be talking about maybe towards the end of your chart there being the two positions that could hinder this team the most in 2023. And so I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of the times that we do this, the other team's going to have the better wide receiver room. And there are going to be times that that, that that team has the better offensive line group. Those are the two areas that concern me for the New York Jets.
2: Yeah. I I think as far as giving the bills, the edge, I have no issue with that. Um, But as Chris said, it's, it's not a huge gap. And I think the X factor out of everybody on the list, I think is, Really and, and for the season, especially early on, is Micole Hardman. Yeah. Because this mm-hmm. I think is gonna be the first I think the Jets are gonna give him his first real chance to be more than a gadget guy. I think that with his speed and Aaron Rodgers' ability to throw with anticipation and accuracy, I think Hardman could be a guy who even if he doesn't rack up a ton of targets, because of his you know, because of his explosiveness, he could be one of those guys, you know, three catches, eighty yards and a big touchdown you know, that type of receiver where he doesn't see a ton of targets, but when he does get them, he can make them count. So I think he's the X factor. Um, I would, like I said, no issue with saying the bills have the edge, but I would be not one bit surprised if the jets receivers were actually, you know, on, in this game ended up being the more productive group.
0: Yeah. I know. I think this might sound a little bit silly, but if me Cole Hardman caught that play action over route from Zach Wilson, I feel like my outlook going into the season would be a lot different about him because then it's like, okay, he's turning the corner and he's not making those same drop mistakes that he had in Kansas City, but this is part of becoming a developed wide receiver and a full wide receiver, and that's what they want to do with him. So, yeah, he's certainly the X factor. You don't want to rely on Randall Cobb too, too much. So hopefully Hardman does turn that corner and start becoming a more uh, well-rounded player. Next, uh, we're going to continue with the Bills having the edge. That's the tight end group. This one I feel like is really close to a push as well. If you want to look at, you know, the experience of Conklin and Uzama, that's fine. I still don't think either one of them singularly is better than Dawson Knox. Um, you could say the two veterans is better than Knox and a rookie in Kincaid. However, when you see the early returns on what Kincaid is doing and just the projections for what he can do this season, I had to give the slight edge to the Bills. Just more of a a known commodity with Dawson Knox and that's not to say the tight ends are going to be bad Uh, Chris and I talked about it he's a little bit higher on the tight ends than I am but I still think that these guys are top 15 top 20 players on the Jets roster so tight ends are definitely going to be part of the offense for the Jets but the Bills I had to give the the slight advantage Glenn your thoughts and then Chris
2: um yeah I would have a big question mark here I mean Mm-hmm. Give it to the Bills. Fine. I you know, Knox is a good player. I love Kincaid. You know, he was one of our guys to watch during the uh the college season when we did our weekly um, you know, picked our weekly players. So really like both those guys. I think Uzama is, you know, has more value in the locker room than he does on the field. Um, uh, the big thing to me is, you know, we Jeremy Ruckert was one of those very inexperienced guys who was basically kept in bubble wrap all preseason. So it's kind of like, what's the plan with him? Like I I see him starting by the end of the season but is he starting by week six, by by week one? does he? Do we surprise and see him start tomorrow? So I don't think we have a full picture of what that Jets tight end room is going to look like. Um, so give it to the Bills, fine. But I, I could see, you know, just like the receiver situation, I could see the Jets tight ends being better than what the Bills send out there. But again, I'm only saying early on, I think long-term Kincaid's going to be probably the best of the group. Um, really good player there. But for, you know, this being his first pro game, Um, I would I would have no issue giving it to the Jets, but I'm not going to, you know, kick and scream if you want to say the Bills or the or get the edge of tight end.
1: Yeah, for me and Dylan, you mentioned it that I'm a little higher on Conklin and Uzoma when we did our uh, roster rankings throughout the course of the summer. I will say this, though, the reason why I was higher on those two guys is I thought this is the way you bridge the gap from the lack of depth you have in the wide receiver room. This is how you have a more well-rounded passing game is you're able to get Tyler Conklin and C.U.J. Uzoma a little bit more utilized. You find different ways to get them on the field. Maybe they don't have their hand in the dirt, and maybe they're offset from the line a little bit, but they're they're kind of in that slot kind of area that we see some of the bigger tight ends get used uh, in today's game. I think that's where they emerge a little bit. But I will tell you, Dawson Knox don't sleep on this guy. I think this is a top 10 tight end uh, in the league. This guy is very, very talented. He's a very big difference maker, and I will tell you, If there is a matchup that I would point to that is a disaster, in my opinion, for the New York Jets on this game on Monday, it is how their linebackers are going to match up against Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. I do not know if they are going to be able to stay with Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid from athletic perspective. And so if there is something that could be the downfall of this team, it is being able to take those two players out of the equation. Because if you can't, if you just put all your attention on trying to, to wipe away Stephon Diggs and you've got CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams trying to battle with Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid, that might be very bad for the New York Jets. So if I was listing matchups. That I think don't favor the New York Jets, and I think that uh, the, the Bills are going to capitalize on. It's this one in particular with Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid because I think they're going to go to a lot of twelve. I think they're going to have both tight ends on the field as much as they can, and so I think that spells trouble for the
0: Jets on Monday. I was just about to say I think both teams could run a not an excessive amount, but an ex, an amount of twelve personnel that not many people are accustomed to seeing, especially from the Jets. think both teams well. I think I think both teams. Well. I, think, I think both paid. teams. I think both yep. teams I,
1: it might be, and I don't know where they where they finished last year, so this might be maybe just pulling something out of thin air. I wouldn't be surprised if both of these teams are in, are in top 10, um, 12 personnel usage by the end of the season with the way their, their rooms are made up. I mean, if Gabe Davis goes down for, for the Bills, you got Khalil Shakir, Deontay Hart. I mean, I'd rather just run 12 and have Knox and Kincaid and have one of them kind of out wide and try to find a way to use them in that regard. Same thing for the Jets. If Lazard or Hardman go down, like I think they'll just put another tight end on the field. So I think by the time the season's over, you're going to see these two teams towards the higher end of the list in 12 personnel usage
0: yeah I certainly agree and and the defensive player I circle when you're talking about defending these tight ends is Quincy Williams because he has the speed to cover these guys you know sideline to sideline does he have the coverage ability to stay with them though is the problem and I think that that's going to be the the question that they the bills want to answer first and foremost is can we attack Quincy with the tight ends can we attack Tony Adams with the tight ends? So th- those are going to be the two guys that come into question for me there.
2: And you mentioned right. it, Chris. I, th- I think it's going to be a theme all year. I think the Jets' biggest issue is going to be covering tight ends and backs out of the backfield with their linebackers.
1: Yep, yep. absolutely. That's why maybe it should have been a priority, for, and maybe there was somebody. I don't know who that person would have been, but maybe there was somebody that was constantly reminding this team that they should have maybe drafted a linebacker or signed a linebacker in free. I don't know who that person might have been, but maybe there maybe there was somebody who was doing Dayon Henley. Don't don't you shouldn't have brought him up because I'm <laughs> angry now. Cause I was thinking about him. And him and Ivan Pace Jr. Don't get me started with two oh, yeah. linebackers that this crazy. team could have that would solve this problem.
0: Absolutely crazy. All right. Last position on offense before we flip over to the defensive side as we hit the hour mark. Obviously, we're going to run a little bit overtime, but this is uh, week one. We're all excited. We're back together, so we had to get our takes out. So we knew it was going to be a bit lengthier of a show. Last uh, position group, offensive line. I just listed the starters. I'm not going to sit here and go 8, 9, 10 deep on each offensive line and talk about them. I have the edge going to the Jets. Um, that's not to say that the Jets are some fantastic offensive line unit, but, Glenn, you put out a video, uh, I believe, last week, and you talked about the range of outcomes for the offensive line and I think that they're even wider. That's like they could be the sixth best offensive line. They could be the 18th best offensive line. It's just truly up in the air what can happen with this uh, offensive line. But I stack it up. I like, I like Deion Dawkins a little bit for the Bills. Mitch Morse is a solid center. I feel like him and McGovern kind of are a push. And then you have Rookie Osiris, Torrance, and Spencer Brown, who is a liability, to say the least. So I just look at that, and I know the Jets have a lot of question marks, health concerns, but – that Vera Tucker Becked in upside is just too much for me to ignore. And I had to give the the edge to the Jets. Chris, I'll let you go first on this one, then Glenn.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you know that in the when we were doing the summer ranking series, that I originally had the Jets fourth and the Bills third when we did this. So I thought these two groups were relatively close. I think the things that allow me to be more confident in switching this to being the Jets and and us saying here today that the Jets have a better offensive line is the health. Of Makai Becton and him being the starting right tackle and just the way he has looked throughout this process, Elijah Vera Tucker being back and healthy and Dwayne Brown being back and healthy. Those three guys being healthy, because look, I'm Lake and Tomlinson's still a question mark at left guard for me. Until until proven otherwise, with the way that he played last year, he is a question mark for me. And so to be able to say that you've got a healthy Dwayne Brown, you've got a healthy Elijah Vera Tucker, and more importantly, you've got a healthy Makai Becton. That allows me to say I got a rookie starting on the other side of that offensive line. I've got a group that has been rotating guys in and out. I, I like the group on the left side a little bit more. So it's close. I, again, I, I would flip them, and I think the Jets are still behind the other two teams in the division. But I think the relative health of Makai Beckton is the difference maker here that allows me to be comfortable enough to to say that the Jets have the better offensive line going into Monday.
2: Yeah, I think it again it, as you said comes down to health, and I think the other factor and I get it very small sample size, but I thought going back and rewatching some of the preseason games, I thought Lake and Tomlinson looked much, looked to be much closer to the guy they thought they were getting than he was last year. Again, I understand preseason. I understand small sample, but I just thought he looked much better. And I have said a couple times in recent weeks that that's probably the biggest issue that I'm hearing the least conversation about is how important it is that Lake and Tomlinson bounce back after what happened with him last year. Um, if you look at him, you know, he, he, he played a little better, uh, to me anyway, late in the year. Like, he was a disaster early on. Yeah. Um, was a little bit better as the season went on. So, hopefully, he keeps trending in that direction. If you have a, you know, if you have Laken Tomlinson playing to his ceiling and some of these other guys healthy and playing to their ceiling, they can be one of the best lines in the NFL. Um, but if they're injured, if Tomlinson doesn't bounce back, then all of a sudden you become potentially a bottom 10. But as of this very moment... Um, Knock on wood. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's playing. So it comes down to Tomlinson on, on Monday. Um, Jets get the edge as a group. But I think um, if they can come out firing on all cylinders, I think they can uh, they can really wow some people on Monday night.
0: Yeah, I think for as much as I like Joe Tippman, I don't want to see him in the in the game, in the starting five, due to poor performance of another player. I'd rather him just be better than the other guy, but not because that other person is bad. And, uh, all eyes are on Lakin at that point. You can't really have two historically bad seasons in a row and expect, you know, to remain a starter for long. Um, and I do just want to give a quick shout-out to Bechton Becton playing his first game in MetLife Stadium with fans in attendance. Going to be awesome. I hope he gets an extra special cheer on Monday night.
1: I shared that information with somebody who asked me, like, hey, why is everybody freaking out that, that Mekhi Becton's playing on, you know, in front of the home crowd on Monday? And I explained it to that person and they were like, they're like, oh, my God, I had no idea that that was the case. Like, I had no idea that he's never played in front of the, the home fans. And I'm like, yeah, like the COVID year, getting hurt, missed an entire season. Like, that'll do it to you to where you've never played in front of in front of a home crowd.
0: Exactly. Super excited for him. Hope. Hope he remains healthy and can play the whole game, obviously the whole season, but one game at a time and, and in front of the Jets fans at first, is going to be cool. And I think it'll be a little emotional for him, but he, he's going to be solid. Moving over now to the defensive side. I was trying to make this, I guess, a little bit easier. Can you perma- and- can you
1: permanent permanently just make the edge group <laughs> say, the Jets logo that, for the entirety of, lock it lock it in, the of the season? Because I don't – just slap it up there and we're good. You don't even need to te- – just just have it there every time. We cool. don't I'm even have to cover it every week. Slide. We can
2: save ourselves, you know, three, four yeah. minutes
1: and just skip edge every week. They're great. Their backup rotation is better than a lot of teams' regular rotations. They're very yep. good. They're going to have the advantage every week. Is everybody happy with that, Glenna? If yep. you'd like to add, yep. I mean, <laughs> that, are we good that there? sums it up. Okay. Seriously, there, there's we wanted a lot of the time. We were over the hour, Mark. I just saved you a couple minutes. There exactly. we
0: go. I was gonna say there's a reason we put six names on the Jets side, four on the Bills side. Finding four interior defensive linemen for the Jets was – or Bills was tough, but, you know, Jordan Phillips, Puna Ford, they get a shout-out.
1: Look, if you're going to talk about this from – just from this game perspective, no Von Miller is the big difference here with exactly. the Buffalo Bills, right? That yeah. That's just – it's just a huge loss, him not being there for the Bills. He would be a difference maker, but no, just slap the Jets. The and ball. it still
0: wouldn't make a difference, obviously, as you see here on YouTube. No. I have the Jets at Edge. And I have the Jets. Yeah, at it's interior. great. Fantastic. It's, yeah, great. I'm sorry. As much as the Bills' front four is good, it, even without Von Miller, it can still be really good. It's too affected by Von Miller to say that this is much of a, a competition. The Jets are going to do this. So maybe I'll have to skip two slides and just immediately go right to linebacker for most weeks for the Jets here. Uh, linebacker. This is one that um, I was outvoted. Obviously, my Homerism um, has been very very publicly known for C.J. Mosley, top 10 player on this roster. C.J. Mosley, good to great player, not solid C.J. Mosley, team captain C.J. Mosley, you know, that guy. Uh, I thought he would be better than Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard when you consider Quincy over Bernard, but I was outruled. So I'll let you guys, you know, gush about Matt Milano uh, and, and talk about him.
2: Glenn first. Yeah, I just I think Milano is probably the the best guy in the group. He we heard yeah. uh, Robert Sala rave about him today. He covers, he hits, he can he can do everything. Whereas you know Mosley's fine in the box against the run, but he's not a guy who can cover. Quincy Williams, one of the more fun players to watch on this defense when he you know when he squares up and lays people out. But um we do see we do see mistakes from him a little bit too often. Whether it's a missed opportunity on an interception or a blown assignment. So he's, and we've all, you know, anyone who follows this team closely enough has said it a million times about Quincy Williams, fun to watch boomer bust player. Like he's going to make a play that's going to, you know, knock somebody's lights out or he's going to have one that's going to have you pulling your hair out. So um, I went with the bills on this one.
1: Yeah. Consistency is the problem with Quincy Williams. He's boomer bust. Uh, when when it's booming, it's great. It's fantastic. And uh, the picture that you picked is, of course, of him doing the celebration that everyone sees him do every time he makes a big play. But mm-hmm. the problem is the consistency. And if he can fix that consistency, then I think this will change. I think we will have weeks where we say the Jets have the better linebacking group but you have an older player in C.J. Mosley who I think is not, a very good, not very good in coverage anymore, and Quincy Williams is too boomer bust for me. And on the other thing, Matt Milano is the heart and soul of this defense. He just is. And I know they lost Terrell Edmonds in free agency, and that was a huge blow. But they have Matt Milano, who I think can be a, a very, very key figure for them, and he's the best player out of this group. Uh, so I think uh, it, it's, it leans towards the Bills. And I think you could very easily just slap the Jets logo up for the next position throughout the course of the season. I do not see a scenario in which we are going to say the New York Jets have the uh, second of the two cornerback rooms. I don't think nope. that's going to be the case. Is it we, we good there too? Nope. Probably not yeah, I have to, I have to the change
0: loop. the, uh, I have to change the slides now and, and screwed everything up. But yes, uh, that'll say bills with the uh, linebackers and back to the jets with the cornerback room. Um, it's no brainer. Like I talked about with the uh, running back room, this is the number one room in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. you could talk about the two deep on a lot of teams and they could compare When you go that extra person, that third deep on cornerback, Michael Carter is a difference maker. They were all top 15 cornerbacks by PFS metrics in the middle of last season. Um, So I just, the sky's the limit for this group. They are the heart and soul. You look at the D line, we go as you go, but the corners make it so that we go as the D line goes. You have two cornerback ones and arguably a top five slot in the league. So yeah, no arguments for me here. I will say going back to Milano, Sala himself said he was an unbelievable talent, and he commented on Teron Johnson, or number seven, their nickelback, and said that he's pretty freaking good, too. So two guys from the defensive uh, back seven for the Bills that get shout-outs for, from Robert Sala. Really telling that Kyrie
1: O'Reilly's name is not down for the Buffalo Bills' this position. Absolutely. They, 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 I mean, this is a guy they took; they used a first-round pick on, and he, he got beat out by Christian Benford in his rookie season. And now he there. there's talks of him being an inactive on yeah. a regular basis for this team. I mean, yeah. that tells you all you need to know about where the Bills' cornerback room currently sits. Shout going out through. to Benford, but yeah, definitely. A yeah, right, like, for yeah, for credit you. to Christian Benford. He went it's out there tough. and took the job and said, I, I, hey, I'm a seventh-round pick, but I'm going to go out and compete with you and beat you. And, like, that's great, but, man, I think this team had higher hopes for Kyrie and I don't think they've given up on him, but I think they expected him to be the guy opposite of Trey White going into the season, and I don't think they really had that true guy opposite of Trey White that they feel super 100% comfortable with. Certainly. Glenn, your thoughts on the corners? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said on a couple of videos. I'm sure I've said it with
2: you guys. I think I think the Jets have the top three in the NFL. Um, you know, if you're there, there might be some other guys, or maybe the one and two you can argue, but I think the Jets even have the advantage there. But when you go one through three, Sauce, Reed, and Carter, that's just a, a phenomenal group, and and a big part of the reason. You know, when we do these predictions, it's it's these. You know, we talk all the time about the premium positions and the Jets. You know, edge tackle, quarterback, receiver. Now to some degree um but the jets are just so good and so deep in these spots um oh i well i should say they're they're they have high level starters at both corner spots they've got tons of depth at edge questions at tackle with health but if they're on the field they, at the critical spots the jets are are going to be better across the board than just about everyone they face if you take every you know every one of those positions into account and corner is one of them
0: yeah outside of that big play to stefan Diggs. um Early on in that first matchup against the Bills, he had 85, 90 yards against the Jets all last season. So definitely uh, a, a, a clamping trio for the Jets here. And I think everybody in the league is going to be on notice with these guys again. Um, and did
2: you Did you? not, not to interrupt? And I know we're over, but I love find- the story behind that. Did you hear the story behind Diggs and that big play he had against Sauce early on? No, it I just not. kind of it just kind of it's another example of how great Sauce is and how great Sauce is going to be. Um, it was just, Sauce just did so much film study, and I forget what route Diggs ran, but they said that was the first time he ran that route all year. So he was he was able to trick Sauce because Sauce, based on all of his film study, hadn't seen Diggs run that route, and so he didn't think it was in his arsenal. And he ran it once, and that was it. He he didn't run it again, or if he did, he didn't get open again. So it was a matter of he out you know he, he out prepared Sauce, but for a rookie to come in that prepared and know everything that guy had run his entire route tree. He beat him by running something like he basically knew going against Sauce. I got to pull something out of my, you know, out of my hat and uh, and run something different than what I normally run. And uh, so that's why he was able to get that open. And we didn't see it happen again. So hopefully Sauce has a similar type performance, you know, on Monday night.
0: Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was a double move, like an out and up or something like that. And he he got in Sauce's face and Sauce was just like, all right, yeah, you know what? You got me. You showed me something I hadn't seen before, but. The other 59 minutes of that game were pretty yep. hellacious for uh, Stephon Diggs. He was not very yep. happy, and and we've seen that before. Wide receivers, you know, pushing at Sauce, going after Sauce, the the DPI merchant, many <laughs> other fan bases like to call him. So, all right, this last position group makes me sad. Probably going to have to slap the opposing team's t- uh, logo up here until further notice. That's the yeah. safety room. Obviously, when you look at the Bills specifically, this is a very high safety room in the nfl not just the division or the conference the nfl yeah poyer and Hyde. i had Hyde with a question mark here because of his back injury uh he spoke at the podium today i caught some glimpses of it he's not not gonna play so uh you can remove that question mark there from him and that just solidifies the group you have a ton of unknowns with the jets obviously whitehead needs to bounce back adams is a complete unknown after being bubble wrapped all preseason we saw maybe seven snaps of him and adrian amos coming over from the the Packers. Hopefully he's like your, your roaming linebacker, you know, type of player, big slot, tight end or racer, hopefully. But again, all, you know, hopeful question marks in that room, as Chris has uh, pointed out that entire room is yellow. So uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on the, on the safety room? Yeah, look, this is where they're going
1: to have the big plays, right? The big plays are going to be given up by this group and the linebacker group. That's where they're going to be beat. And so if the New York Jets want to be successful in 2023 on defense, because let's be honest, the 2022 defense was not, you know, immune to giving up big plays. They, they had big plays happen to them. And a lot of them were results of linebackers not being able to cover in space. Look at the U Lions game and the safeties missing plays over the top, right? Those are the two areas. And so for me, those are the two areas we gave to the Bills because I think they're the two areas that are the weakest on this Jets defense and on a weekly basis. When they have matchups like this, I think you're going to see if, they, if the opposing team's got a quarterback that's capable enough, Josh Allen's going to target these safeties. He's going to target these tight ends. They're going to try to get the running backs involved in the passing game. They're going to try to utilize their tight ends. Like it is going to be a, a chess match for Robert Sala and this defense. And hopefully they've got enough tools and, and tricks and, and things in their wheelhouse that they'll be able to match up. I don't think so. I'm not trying to give away my prediction too much ahead of time. But th- those are the areas that this New York Jets team need to focus on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said before with the tight ends, they're going to attack Tony Adams, Quincy Williams. They're going to attack those guys first. And if they can, you know, gain any type of yardage on those guys, they're going to continue to to push the, the pressure onto those guys. And Tony Adams is somebody who's going to have a lot on his plate being the best and one of the only, you know, free-ranging safeties on this roster. Obviously, you have Ashton Davis who could fill in in a – a backup capacity of free safety but outside of tony adams you don't really have somebody who can who can do that so so uh safety obviously is going to be a a rough one for the jets in the early going drums thank you hit those like buttons appreciate that the last two categories we have here we'll group them together uh special teams i think this is a push uh i love greg Zerloin. uh thomas what
1: you love you love greg Zerloin? It's the first time oh, yeah. I've ever I've heard this. Absolutely absolutely first, love
0: I, I just never heard it before. Breaking news. Put it on the bottom ticker. I'm a fan. Um, Thomas Morstead, second biggest roster upgrade from a one-to-one perspective. When you look <laughs> at it, Aaron Rodgers is number one. Thomas Morstead is number two. And Thomas Hennessy, longest uh, tenured New York Jet. McCagden knew something when picking the guy that can do the long snapping. Looking over at the Bills, Tyler Bass. He's pretty uh, clutch from from deep especially in his young career sam martin's just a veteran punter who's been you know kind kind of the thomas morstead adjacent in a way and then reed ferguson you can't say anything bad about long snapper in the afc east i feel like they're kind of slept on the entire afc east has good long snappers so that's a push to me any arguments there from you guys no, this, no. Group, this group yeah this, i mean this is yeah, a push I, I think most
1: it's, special it's teams. gonna be a push unless yeah. somebody's got like a top three kicker in the game and might be Greg Zerloin by the time the, the season, you know, continues to play out. If he continues to do what he did last season. So Justin
0: Tucker, Greg Zerloin. Easy. Okay. That's he, the I, list. I don't, don't be doing that, but <laughs> and, yeah,
1: and I, it's a coin flip. Uh,
0: the last one here. Um, I'm not going to wear green color, colored glasses. Excuse me. Um, this is, the model of consistency in the AFC East, obviously the Patriots for 20 years with their winning culture and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But when you look at the roster and the scheme continuity and how well these players play together within the scheme, the bills in that coaching staff has to get the nod. Obviously Robert Salas still has his um, shortcomings as an in-game coach. Chris, you, you can highlight that a little bit, but we still have the unknown of Nathaniel Hackett and Jeff Ulbrich. I mean, he says the F word a lot on hard knocks and he's, you know, a a pretty good motivator of men, but I just, I don't necessarily think he moves the needle specifically for me. So I had to go Sean McDermott. And even though they don't have a defensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey as offensive coordinator, Glenn, your thoughts and Chris, your thoughts before we start uh, wrapping up.
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I don't, I don't see any reason to, to have Salah over McDermott. I love Salah, love his philosophy, love the way he treats his players and, and listen, some of the things he's done, he's, he's still a young coach in terms of, you know, he doesn't have a ton of experience. And some of the mistakes we've seen him make, you hope that he learns and, and improves on those. So it's not even knocking the guy. You could even just say McDermott's, McDermott's the more experienced guy. He's had a chance to do more and he has done more. So he's the better coach. You know,
1: Robert Sala, hopefully
2: he gets there at some point. And uh, hell, hopefully he gets there this year.
1: Robert entering its third year as a head coach in the National Football League. That is not a big sample size in comparison to some of the other coaches that are currently coaching in this league. Nathaniel Hackett, as an offensive mind, is very creative. There's a reason why Aaron Rodgers wanted him here. But when you look around Nathaniel Hackett's career as a play caller, as the primary play caller, doesn't have a ton of overwhelming success. These are things that are big question marks. The defense at times gave up big plays in the second half of last season. And we know Robert Sala is not the one calling plays on defense. That's Jeff Ulbrich. So when I look at this, this coaching staff, there are questions, there are hurdles that they need to overcome for me. And listen, Sean McDermott has had the Bills in the playoffs. He's had them competing for AFC championships. He's had them seconds away from being in the Super Bowl. Robert Sala has not coached in a playoff game as a head coach of the New York Jets there's the difference. That's what you need. Sean McDermott's got big game experience. He knows how to weather the storm. Robert Sala coaching in Monday Night Football in his his third season as a head coach starting the season. I think he's going to have his team ready to go. He's going to be a leader. But these are things that until you experience them, you don't have anything to draw on. Sean McDermott's got plenty to draw on. So for me, it's really easy to say that the Bills have the coaching advantage. And honestly, guys, I think throughout the course of the season, until there's a big enough sample size to where I feel there's been a noticeable change in the way this coaching staff operates. I think the Jets are going to lose that battle most weeks anyway.
0: Yeah, and then and when you look at the entire tail of the tape, um, the Bills have four position groups definitively over the Jets. The Jets have five position groups definitively over the Bills. We have a couple splits at quarterback, and special teams but then it will come down to coaching which is the bills and that would be their fifth definitive so does that that fourth element of coaching come into play here week one you've had all these months to prepare obviously the bills like i said they're the they're consistent they've done this before with the same team the same roster for the most part and are they going to be more prepared than the Jets are in week one? That's going to be the thing. I hope nobody overreacts either way, good or bad. Like if we win, we're going to the Super Bowl. If we lose, Aaron Rodgers was the worst, you know, trade ever. And Joe Douglas should be fired immediately. I think the truth is going to lie somewhere in the middle, regardless of the the outcome of this game. Very quickly, my prediction, the Jets 21 to 20. I think we're going to come in there on September 11th, defend the home turf. It's going to come down to who makes the last play, who has the ball last. But I think the Jets do come out 21-20 uh, as they come out victorious, start the season 1-0 with a two-game uh, advantage over the Bills. Glenn, what's your prediction for the game then, Chris? I think um, I think we saw the Jets' defense do
2: a very, very good job against Josh Allen twice last year. As I said, I think they there's no reason they won't do that again, having added more firepower to the D-line. Um, with, you know, the secondary, with, you know, with Sauce being a year, you know, uh, having a year of experience under his belt, I'm, I'm hoping that the, the safety play will be improved. Yes, there are questions at linebacker, um, you know, and their ability to cover. But I think the, the combination, you know, of course, the Jets, no one on this roster has been here since they were in their last playoff game. But I think here, you know, they've all heard the talk enough about how they haven't been to the playoffs in a decade. They're opening at home. They're fired up with Aaron Rodgers. They've shown they can keep Josh Allen and the Bills offense in check. I think the Jets come out fired up. I think they win this one a lot easier than a lot of people think. I'm going to say 31-17 Jets.
1: Let's go, Chris. Preparation cannot be an excuse for the result of this football game. The two games that you should be most prepared for throughout the course of the season is your opener and the week coming out of the bye. Those are two games in which preparation cannot be an excuse. So if this team is not prepared, that is the biggest indictment that I think I need on this coaching staff for 2023. I just wanted to put that out there. That preparation should not be an issue for this football game. It's the game that you have the most time to prepare for and double on top of it. It's a divisional opponent who you know pretty well. So preparation should not be an issue. That being said, the coaching staff difference uh, is, is, I think, a big one. I think the fact that the Jets are entering a new era with a quarterback that has, other than a couple series in a preseason game, hasn't played a regular season game for this team. I think there's going to be some growing pains with this team on offense that I don't think exist for the Buffalo Bills in this football game. So I think the, the, the Jets defense is going to be able to keep them in this because they're going to be able to keep Josh Allen off the board a ton. But for me, the fact that there's more continuity, there's more fluidity to the Bills offense entering this game, uh, I have the Bills winning this game 24-20. to 20. Again, the Jets defense keeps them in it, gives them a chance, but at the end of the day, I think because there are going to be some growing pains with this offense trying to gel over the course of four quarters, it's going to take them a little bit. The Bills don't have that because they've had their quarterback, same coach, same offense. They know what they're doing. I think they're able to just squeak it out 24-20. The Bills take this one on Monday.
0: Yeah, it would not surprise me if we came out, you know, Tuesday morning and everybody's like, oh, this guy is falling in New York football Jets land and and everything is wrong with Aaron Rodgers. And then he comes out on McAfee Tuesday and says, R-E-L-A-X. Everybody relax. It's a long season. If they come out flat, you don't love that. And obviously there will be more hot takes coming out if that is the case. But even if it's just a slow moving process till about week three, week four with Aaron Rodgers, I think that's the most we can hope for. Obviously, barring injury, you want everybody to stay healthy, um, so we're, we're pretty split here two to one. Glenn, you have a bigger advantage for the Jets. I have it being a close game, and Chris, you have a slight loss for the Jets. That'll be interesting to see moving forward each week how close we are with our predictions. Um, for, the, for this one, we're going to wrap it up here at the hour and a half mark. Uh, glad to have everybody back. Hopefully this three-person panel isn't going away too much in the regular season. We'll, we'll hopefully have Chris more often than not, and Glenn and I will be back on our regular spot 6.30 every Thursday. Obviously, if there's a game that the Jets are involved in, we won't do it. We'll rearrange. I don't think they have another Thursday. But you can follow Glenn on x i got it right the first time chris follow glenn on x at jn radio underscore glenn that's glenn with two n's follow his draft account at jets Picks. that's already booming we're a week and a half into college football end, and glenn has more prospects than i've already written down in my database i'm so far behind glenn so drake
1: may drake may greater than sign caleb williams i just wanted to get that quick little hot take while i have Ooh. you
0: listen i uh i go
2: back and forth man i you know I, I i tweeted a couple weeks ago you know caleb williams clear cut blah 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 but i thought no i'm i'm getting caught up in the hype machine a little bit like drake may that drake dude's play. Play. i think they're both gonna be very good yes but i think i think all of the it caleb williams is the guy hands down i think that's premature i yes, think that, I, um, I, I think drake may and listen we got to do some draft shows because this is such a deep quarterback class there is so a lot of I guys. Mean, there's guys, Michael Penix, Jordan Travis. Yep. I mean, there's
0: guys all over the place. I was just going to say, there's that surprise third candidate that nobody's really talking about just yet, who can jump from that day three range all the way up to top ten, top fifteen. It happens every single year. I think it'll be
1: Sanders now.
0: Yeah, exactly. I He's think probably the probably leader be, in the
1: clubhouse for that. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think it'll be Williams or May at the end of the day. But yeah, you can't just open and close the discussion with those two and definitively stamp that. So be on the lookout for all the prospect content coming at Jets Picks from Glenn. Follow me on X at Dterman and you can follow Chris Schubert at Chris Schubert underscore. We greatly appreciate everybody's uh, viewership tonight, everybody's live chats. We'll be back again. Um, Glenn, you'll have your recap of the game shortly following, whether it's Monday night or Tuesday morning, whenever you get some sleep. Um, and uh, we'll be back next Thursday. Everybody have a great week. Let's go Jets.